Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. I want to open this morning uh, in a reading from Jesus Calling. I'm going to change one word because there's one word that they use that I didn't like. So it's the opening word. And uh, I, uh, whenever the word strive is used, and, uh, my spiritual sense goes, it's just, if you remember those old Pink Panther uh, things, and they would mention, you know, Clouseau's name, and that boss would start having the ticks happen. And when I hear that word strive now, I just start having ticks and stuff. So I'm going to change the word, which is actually the word that should be used, and uh, which is which is found a whole lot in the New Testament, okay? So they started it with strive to trust me, but actually what the word should be is continue, not the word strive, because strive implies it's your flesh, you're making yourself do something. And continue is the spirit at working you, allowing you to do something and partnering with you in, in, in anticipation of what God's going to do. So just listen to this for today. I thought it was so meaningful and uh, helpful to us. So continue to trust me in more and more areas in your life. Anything that tends to make you anxious is a growth opportunity. Instead of running away from these challenges, embrace them eager to gain all the blessings I have hidden in the difficulties. If you believe that I am sovereign over every aspect of your life, it is possible to trust me in all situations. Don't waste energy regretting the way things are or thinking about what might have been. Start at the present moment, accepting things exactly as they are and search for my way in the midst of those circumstances. That is so good. Trust is like a staff that you can lean on as you journey uphill with me. If you are trusting me consistently, the staff will bear as much of your weight as needed. Lean on, trust, and be confident in me with all your heart and mind. So I want you to take whatever circumstances that uh, that seem to be rubbing against you right now. I just want you to take those and let's pray into this. Lord, we take all the circumstances of life, um, the things that irritate us and, and we don't like and things that are going on and things that are happening in the world around us and things that are occurring for us relationally and Honestly, God, things that don't seem to be going the way I think they should. (sighs) We let loose of those things. We lean on the staff of your presence in us. Oh, Holy One, we trust you. You carry us through all things. You are the burden bearer. You don't let us and don't make us go it alone. You're there. And so we lean on you this morning. 
We lean on you, God. You never falter. Lord, I have to say, I don't always get the answer as I think it should happen. But I've learned to do this. Trust you. So I trust you, God. Would you say that with me? I trust you, God. Tell him again. I trust you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, whatever today's date is. I don't do it by January 22nd. Going to return back to 1 Corinthians and what, this study on, uh, and it's been very significant for me. And uh, it, not that they all aren't, uh, but I, I like the significance of God being uh, foremost in my life. I'm sure you're that way also. And as I've studied this, so many different little things have occurred in circumstances and in relationships and also in the things that the Holy Spirit, uh, he really enjoys whispering stuff uh, to us. He, he really, really does. Most people want God to shout at them. He, they want to hear a loud answer and they want to hear things. And he loves to whisper. He just likes to go for a, a long walk or sit in a quiet room and, and uh, whisper things to our hearts. And those are oftentimes the most meaningful things that we could ever possibly hear. And he likes to meditate on it. And he likes to take us um, on a long walk, on a long obedience, on a long journey. God loves to work in that way. What I've seen is um, God can do stuff suddenly because he's God. He can do it whenever he wants. But he works in seasons. He tends to work in time frames. And uh, I had a little mini download. Well, it wasn't mini for me. It was a major download way back last July. And I'm still meditating on it. And he was speaking to me about this that I'm now teaching and about love and about patience, about what happens when we get hurt, when our feelings get hurt or somebody else offends us and those kind of things. And he started speaking to me about patience being not a word that means putting up with something. I think most of us in America think if I just had patience, I could tolerate that. And that so patience is putting up with uh, either weak and broken others or obnoxious and broken others. And that if I just learned to grip my teeth, well, that's not patience. And so he started speaking to me, patience is a time word. And how patient God is with each of us and that that's born out of his love. And that love is patient. And that therefore, even in his love, his love is a time word. Patience is a time word. It works in our lives. So we're going to go back here, and this is a lessons on learning to live loved. And this is why it's so important to me. The only thing, well, it isn't the only, yeah, pretty close. The, the, really, the only thing that has changed my life is learning to live in the love of God. All the other things I did, they probably added things to it, but the most meaningful things that happened was when I learned to let God love me. 
That's the most difficult thing to do. And it takes a lot of patience. Yes? To realize that, oh, uh, that, I, and this comes, I was talking with a friend uh, recently about uh, Hebrews 12 and God correcting us and disciplining us and that, what a distorted view that we have because we don't understand God's love. And that those are the things that we need to learn about and learn about his love. So we're going to continue on this, and I'm going to read this morning from a different version. I'm going to read from the message regarding this passage of Scripture from 1 Corinthians 13. So I've got it up there, it says, and Peterson says, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So, No matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Isn't that a powerful sentence? Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always look for the best and never look back, but it keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday, Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompletes will be canceled. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like any infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards the consummation. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly. Love extravagantly. And the best of the three is love. I really love that interpretation. It speaks to my heart so much. God gives himself through this love. God's love is expressed to us 
through his son. Not through the other things, through his son. What does God's love look like? It looks like Jesus. Uh, anybody watching the third season of The Chosen? Oh my gosh, it's so good. So there's a little scene, which this was my favorite scene of all the, I don't know, I'm on like episode five or six now. Uh, but it just, I don't know which episode this was, so you'll have to watch the whole thing to find out what I was talking about if you haven't seen it. But in it, he's, he's done some very miraculous things, and one of the Pharisees is coming to him and starts speaking to him about the things that he's saying uh, actually are violating the law of Moses and that he's doing something in opposition to the law of Moses. And he looks at the man straightway and says this, I am the law of Moses. And it's just like you go, <laughs> yep, yep, you are. You know? And yet it's so kind and loving. He is the law of Moses. He is those things. You know, it's like... Uh, uh, I want to do it when we're singing that one song about the house of God. I, and listen, we can be as, we're supposed to be bold like Jesus. I am the Father's house. Amen. I am. How do you know that? Because he loves me. He's there. He lives in me. I, I am. You know, the, What's true of him is true of us. I no longer depend on the law of Moses. I depend on Jesus because he is the law of Moses. And he's written in my heart, Hebrews says. It's there. The New Testament is right here in us. And the thing that we're to do is to continue in it and to learn to live in this kind of love. How different is each of our daily lives when we start believing and continue in this and to learn to live in the love of God. It's the great game changer. No matter how hard you try, and listen, I, under, I understand behavioral change. I studied it for two decades. I understand changing behavior and what that means. And I know that it works for a while. And I know that it can even do good. If you're doing something that's hurting other people, stop it. But if you want it to discontinue, learn to receive the love of God, and you won't think about doing hurtful things. That's supposed to be a mic drop moment. Because he's the game changer. When his love comes into my life, uh, it's just, uh, uh, it's taking a small child you don't, you don't teach the small child how to walk. They start walking and they bumble and stumble and fall down and that's why we call them toddlers because they toddle and they tip over and they run into things and they bump other things and you don't come up and smack them upside the head and go, when are you going to learn to walk right? It doesn't work. You pick them up, you hold them, you go, oh, you're going to get better at this. You're going to get better, it's okay. And you kiss the boo-boo on their forehead. Sometimes you take them to the emergency room and get the stitches put in. So, if, you're, if they fall hard enough. 
God loves us in this way. God's love doesn't fail. It's there to take us along the journey. God gave himself to us in this way through Jesus so that we could learn to live, walk and move and have our being in him. We could handle the brokenness and strife that sin inflicted on us. I'm sorry, but it's inescapable. Sin happened. I don't like it that it happened any more than you do. It's it's around us. There are are people, I was talking with Brenda about this because we were talking about different people. Well, you can't really say of an unbeliever, oh, they're a good person. No, they're not. That'll win you a lot of appreciation. (laughs) Not. (laughs) No, they're not. There's no such thing as a good person. There's a believer who has the goodness of God living in them, but you left to your own, you're not a good person. Without Jesus, there is no good in us. Only Christ is good. Jesus said, that, the guy coming to says, good teacher. And he said, why do you call me good? Are you saying I'm the one? Uh, we changed the language a little bit today. Who are you saying? You're calling me good teacher? You're saying I'm the Messiah. Do you believe that? The only thing that changes our life is God. Without God, there's no change. Without receiving his love, there's no change. You can use the law all you want and it won't change you. It'll just keep identifying what you did wrong. But him, when he comes in and he loves the way we just read the message says he loves, when I can receive that and believe that and walk out my life in that, I become a different person. I am changed and I continue to change. Love was in God and uh, that love was God before sin happened. God didn't start loving us because of sin. God loved us before sin. Love was in the beginning. And it's what John meant when he wrote his gospel. So now some of these, I I took some of them out of context, but I want to read this together with you because you go, uh, you know, how does... If, if, this, if God was loved from the beginning, then how did all this happen? What does it look like? Let's read it, read it together. So I'm going to start with John 1.1, and then there's a few verses I'm going to skip, because not that I'm trying to take it out of context. I just felt that there was a greater context in seeing the continuity of what John was saying. So I'm not going to break for verses and tell you all that. And so maybe you just, I don't know if you want to read along or if you just want to hear it. It says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. For he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God's expression of love from the beginning to us was manifest through Jesus as our Savior. This is how God so loved the world. It wasn't a response to sin, it was in the beginning. Before Jesus came to the earth, God was filled with that kind of love. He knew that kind of love. It emanated. I've heard it often said, well, he was the antidote for the poison. No, he was in the beginning. He's not an antidote. He was always there. Ephesians 1 says this, that he was presenting you to himself before the foundations of the world complete, whole, not broken. I was broken. I'm no longer broken. Why? Because of the love of God. And when I learned to live in that and, and embrace, not just embrace it, but wrap myself in it, to really relish in the love of God and believe that that's how God sees me every moment of every day, I become a different person. I've often heard others say, I don't know how to receive or accept or feel God's love. I don't condemn them. I do sympathize and I have great compassion for their situation. But actually all those things that they've said have a base in lies and not in the truth. No one that as a believer should say, I can't receive the love of God. You did. That's why you're a believer. It might be in the most infantile stage, toddler walking stage, and it might be hard to work through, and you have horrible circumstances, you have a horrible background, but nevertheless, the word of God stands. His love came in, and I'm different. He shined in my dark place. His life became my light. 
It didn't stop. It can't be taken away. It won't diminish. It'll grow brighter and brighter, the promise is, until the dawning of the day of his return, or I stand before him. When you become born again, God's love came into you. Well, I received Jesus. Yes, Jesus is God's love, and it came into you, into your being. And you were changed from one creation to a new creation. Everything fell away. Everything old fell away, and the new began because you're seeing it. And as you see it, you start believing it. As you start believing it, you start seeing it. And as you see it, you start believing it. And as you believe it, you start seeing it. And it's a walk in the same direction. And every time the lie of darkness comes up, you go, uh, now remember this, because we've taught this through these past few years. But now, that's Romans 3. Here's, here's everything that happened before. But now, God has come in. Right now. To walk us through this, we were designed, this is what we were designed for. I spent so many years trying to figure out what God, God had designed me for, and I always felt like a, a square peg trying to fit into a round hole, and I had those edges that wouldn't go in. So I'm not realizing, Lloyd, get, you have a different peg than that. Stop trying to drive that thing, buddy. You were meant for me. I live in you. In you, I live and move and have my being. I don't have to prove God's will. I am God's will. He's proving himself in me. Stunning, isn't it? If we can grasp, if we can receive it. So how do we receive it? We tell him that. We confess the truth rather than a lie. And there should really only be a deep and powerful realization of being loved and accepted by God the Father, the creator of the universe. Well, how do you do that? You say it to him. I receive your acceptance of me today. And the wind, the gale from heaven starts blowing, goes, that's the truth, and truth starts emanating into your being out of it. Because when fear is in a person's heart towards God, it's clear that the person in question does not really believe that God loves them with a perfect love. Because perfect love casts out fear. That whole thing that we were taught from 1 John, we're, we're talking about the we're fearful of things not going right or fearful of this. Actually, it was that whole thing in the context is about the fear of God's judgment over your life. You're not afraid of God's judgment. God's judgment came through Christ for me. If there is fear, it's because I think there's something he still might hold me accountable for, that he's measured against me. I forgot, I forgot to say the words right. Please, could you give me the right equation? I'll say I'm right if you just give them to me. I'll, I promise I'll get it right this time. That's not God. That's an anguished human response that isn't letting the light come in. God's not going to hurt you, and God doesn't feel rejected by you. He came in and rescued you. 
First John 4, expressed in the Living Bible, says this, we need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. <laughs> you mean on, on my absolute most wicked time I can go there? Yes, he loves me perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all the dread of what he might do to us. If we are afraid, it is for fear of what might be done to us. Shows us that we're not fully convinced that he really loves us. The earmark of a Christian, this is from James Richards, who believes what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection should be a life of confident acceptance that he's permeated with peace. That's why, so this is the way Paul put it in Romans 5.1. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. I'm at peace with him. I'm more comfortable running to him now when I mess up than trying to run away and figure out what words I have to say to get it right. Now I just go, I just messed up. He goes, yeah, I know. I died for that. That's not who you really are. Come here, let me show you. And he starts loving me through it. Confident acceptance permeated by his peace. There should be no torment. If you ever feel like you're walking towards God and your heart is tormented, tormented, start running toward him, not away. When you feel most unsure, feet don't fail me now, run into God. And I think that's what was really meant by draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Run. Don't walk. Every religion in the world offers peace to man. Christianity is the only one that delivered it. Why? Because he became my peace is what Ephesians tells me. He became my peace. We're not supposed to be people who are attempting to achieve a state or a status that will give us peace, change the circumstances so I can have peace. We are people who've been made right with God through the finished work of one man. Nothing can take it away. Nothing. I'm one with God forever. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. Because of the finished work of what Jesus did, I'm granted peace with God. When Christians don't know this reality and listen to, I'm going to say this very boldly today, but wrong teachings about how they need to get right with God, you're going to wander around in darkness because that's not the light. I'm right with God. God dwells in me. Did I do a right thing? No, but that's why I run to him because I'm right with God. I don't run to get right. I run because I am right. And I run to the light. 
don't live your life and don't receive, this is, sounds like a very stern warning, don't receive teachings, words, or any of that that tell you to make sure that you're okay with God. If Jesus dwells in you, you're okay with God. I'm okay. Fear, Rich is right, has been passed down from generation to generation in the church. From the earliest times, the church has struggled with believing the truth about the finished work of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we make mistakes, we have failures. The failure to believe the truth has been the root of the fear, anxiety, and outright meanness of the church down through the ages. When Isaiah prophesied about the great work of the cross, he also prophesied in advance, who has believed our report? Do you remember that part? There is a report about God that is so good, so freeing, so loving, so kind, so merciful, so patient, and so generous, and people refuse to believe it. I, will, I traded it for so many years for other things. Remember that old Keith Green song about, and then your love broke through? It's like waking up from the longest dream. That's what happened inside of me. I went, is this right? And I started studying, 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 went through all the, the three years of yeah, buts, and what ifs, and settled down and went, I want this. I believe you. I believe what you say about me. And oh my gosh, did I change. I, lear- I started learning, just started learning how to, how to be loved by God. The more I started looking at it, the more I started saying it to myself, the more I started receiving it, the more it broke through and shined in me like a beacon. And where I used to do my sin management stuff and decide, you know, and, and, and you see an ad on TV, quick, 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 change it. living that kind of life when it was all here all the time and then all the things of where he was trying to whisper it to me for years through dreams and other people and circumstances and all that stuff and he was trying to get it through to me and that like waking up from the longest dream I went oh my gosh that's what that meant And close with this is poet Gerard Manley Hopkins. Not many will have read him. Uh, he was a man who became a believer and then became a priest and uh, lived his life alone and wrote beautiful poetry unto God. And nobody knew it even existed until after he died. And the other priests went to clean out his room and went, What? 
and he writes about being loved by God and how it changed his life. And his poems are about the, the wickedness that's in the world and how the love of God came in and rescued him. And that he always thought he was wrestling with himself. And there's a beautiful line in, in, in one of his poems in which he wakes up and realizes he thinks he's wrestling with the wrong things in his life and all this stuff. And he wakes up and realizes, and he went, oh, my God, my God. It's just four words. It was a stunning revelation. One of them meaning, Ugh, and the other, hopelessness. And the other being, you're my God. And it was the life changer for him. And illumination came into his life and it changed him. And he no longer was wrestling at the cross with what sort of person he was. He belonged to God. Belong to God again this week. Get real alone. Matter of fact, if you want to do it really scary, I always like, like this part. Go to the mirror, especially in the morning when you haven't cleaned up yet and your hair's doing weird stuff. And look in the mirror and tell yourself how much God loves you. And look straight at that person and say, you are loved of God. You are his precious one. You are the most important thing to him. You are on his agenda today. He's, he wants you to know how much you're cared for right now. And just tell that person that. Because that truth will regulate that day. And there might be some warfare over that. Your boss might come in again and be his same old grouchy self. But you will have been different because you realize, my God, my God. And let it change your heart. Confess the right thing. We're going to keep on this about learning. I want to read some stuff that Paul Ellis wrote about it and some other things because I want us to stay here. I want us to camp here for a while and let the love of God permeate our hearts, our lives, and our understanding because it will be a game changer for your life. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending love to me. Thank you for loving me enough that you so loved me that you gave your son. And that he now, having bore my sin and died and raised, he has raised me up with him. And I am seated in heavenly places with Christ and can talk directly with him. I believe that and I receive that. And God, I continue in that. This day, yes. This day, yes. In Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.